Brother Ted included in his prayer this morning that this baby that was born some 2,000 years ago little would have thought within 33 years he would be butchered on a rugged cross. He would be slaughtered. He would be treated like an animal. I want to speak this morning on the subject, who killed Jesus Christ? Who killed him? We'd like to welcome our internet audience to the program today and to our church today. We thank the Lord we have the opportunity of broadcasting all over the world through internet And uh, we pray that God will use this message to be a blessing and also to be a warning to those who do not know Christ as Savior. Please turn with me in your Bible, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and then picking up with verse 14 through verse, verse 24. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and then picking up with verse 14. This passage is a part of a message that Simon Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And picking up with verse number 14, Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice And said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon unto blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it'll come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look carefully at verse 22. You men of Israel, that's his congregation. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Now we get more into the text itself. 
For instance, in verse number 23, which we just read, and we'll not re-read it at this time, but verse number 36 of that same chapter says this, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, But you denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Sixteen years ago, there was a major controversy in the motion picture industry. A man by the name of Mel Gibson, a well-known actor and dedicated Roman Catholic, produced a movie entitled The Passion of the Christ. It was acclaimed as being the most graphic portrayal of the life of Christ during his final hours before going to death on the cross. My wife and I attended that movie. Gibson had been accused of being anti-Semitic because the picture shows the Jewish people who wanted Christ crucified. Now the Jews today are claiming they had nothing to do with the crucifixion. Rome is denying any part in the matter. Thus the question was raised by all of the major networks back then, who killed Jesus Christ? Today the major networks have raised this question, who can kill Donald Trump? But back then, who killed Jesus Christ? About the same time, on February 15, 2004, I heard on television a statement made by the pastor of one of the largest churches in Tyler. He said, and I quote, The Jews did not crucify Jesus. It was all of our sins that crucified him on the cross. He furthermore pointed out that he had many Jewish friends and he would never let this movie bring about a barrier in that fellowship. On the following Monday night, that was February the 16th, 2004, ABC aired a special report with Diane Sawyer interviewing Mel Gibson about the question, Who Killed Jesus Christ. I'd like to answer that question in the message today. The important thing is not who Mel Gibson says murdered Jesus. It is not who the television networks say who murdered Jesus. And it is not the religious world who says who murdered Jesus. The important thing is what the Word of God says in answer to this question. It really is not all that difficult. Just read your Bible and you'll find out the answer to the question, Who killed Jesus Christ? 
Somebody did. Somebody did. It is an historical fact that Jesus Christ was killed on a cross just outside Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. We're not dealing with fantasy here. Though we were not there, that is physically there, it was long, long, long ago that that happened. Though we were not there, he was actually nailed to a Roman cross. He was born into this world of the Virgin Mary. And though he was God in the flesh, he was a real human being. He was all God and all man in one person. He began his active service for God when he became 30 years old. He did only that which was right and was a blessing everywhere he went. Listen to Acts 2.22. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. And in Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Yet after some three years, he was arrested and brought to trial on false charges. He was beaten. Oh, how he was beaten. He was humiliated. He was crucified to a Roman cross where he died the death of a common thief. Thus the question, who did it? Who did it? Who killed Jesus Christ? The Pentecostal sermon of Simon Peter gives us the answer to that question. Notice in Acts chapter 2, to whom did Peter preach the message? Verse 14, but you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Look at verse number 22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And again in chapter number 2, verse number 36, it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. This was an annual Jewish feast day. And not only were the Jews who lived in Jerusalem a part of it, but Jews came from all over the then known world to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. It was a Jewish feast day. It was to them that Peter directs this message, not to Gentiles. 
but to Jews. He addressed the message not only to the southern tribe of Judah, but to the entire house of Israel. You recall in the Old Testament that Israel had been divided. The southern tribes in Jerusalem and the northern tribes up in Samaria. And he's addressing this not only to the local Judea Jews, but also to Israel as a whole nation. Again, in verse 36, Peter speaks of the entire nation of the Israelites. Now, what is the indictment that he gives them? What is the indictment that he gives them? In verse number 23, it says this, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Underscore that. You have taken and by wicked hands crucified. Again in verse 36 he says, You have crucified both Lord and Christ. And in the third chapter of Acts, verses 12 through 15, When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel. To whom is he speaking? He's speaking to Israelites. He's speaking to Jews. To you, you men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Why look you so earnestly on us, as though by our own power of holiness we had made this man to walk? And verse 14, You denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And number 15, you killed the prince of life. How graphic that is, and how absolutely truthful that is. The death of Christ was decreed by God the Father, and carried out by wicked men. I hope you paid some attention, especially in Acts 2, verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Foreknowledge does not mean that God knew what wicked men would do. But it means that God the Father ordained the death of Christ the Son. He ordered it. He foreknew it. The Father controlled not only the time of the death of Christ, but the manner of that death. God would use wicked men to carry out this decree of which they would be completely responsible for. In Isaiah 53.10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. God decreed it to happen, but wicked men actually did it. You see, number one, the Jews planned his death. In Matthew chapter number 27, verses 1 through 2, the Bible says this, But when the morning was come, 
all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. So they had planned this, and they were carrying out their plans. You say, well, isn't that just a little bit like premeditation? No, it's 100% premeditation. They knew exactly what they were doing, and they could hardly wait until the execution would take place. The Jews planned his death. Pilate authorized his death. In Matthew 27, look at verse 24 and verse 26. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Pilate, after examining Christ, said, I find no fault in this man. The crowds kept saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said, you can't blame me for it because I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. But it doesn't stop there. In verse 26, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he, Pilate, had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Pilate authorized his death. And the Jews assumed complete responsibility for it back then. We skipped over verse 25. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And ladies and gentlemen, the blood of Jesus Christ has been on the Jewish nation for the last 2,000 years. I do not believe there's another nation on the face of this earth that has had the blood shed incurred upon him like the nation of Israel, the Jews. They asked for it. And they got what they asked for. May his blood be not only on us, but also on our children. And some of those children had not even been born. There is a generation of Jews today, of course, that were not present. But they're children of those whom God talked about in this verse here. His blood be on us and on our children. The Roman soldiers, however, carried out the execution. In Matthew 27, beginning with verse 27 and reading, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. They stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him, put on his own raiment on him, and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of serene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. 
And when they were come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him. That is so easy to read, isn't it? And they crucified him. And they crucified him. And parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. Not only did they delight in putting him on the cross, they delighted in watching him die. Who killed Jesus Christ? I submit to you that Judas Iscariot killed Jesus Christ. Because he went to the chief priest and said, I'll deliver him to you for a certain amount of money. How much do you want, Judas? Oh, let's say about 30 pieces of silver be fine. And he sold the Lord of glory out for 30 pieces of silver. Afterward, he regretted it, but it was too late. He was a party to it. He delivered, he sold the Lord out. Caiaphas, now there's a wise duck. Caiaphas, the high priest, killed the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 26 is an interesting story. Matthew 26, verses 57 and following. Matthew 26, verses 57 and following. Yes. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were assembled. But Peter following him afar off the high priest to the high, unto the high priest's palace, and went in and sat within the servants to see the end. Now the chief priest and the elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus. My, my. False witness is a bad thing. And Democrats will go to their grave knowing they lied and offered false witnesses about Donald Trump. They'll do that. You can't lie about people without that being happening and without that taking place. But they laid hold on Jesus and led him to Caiaphas. Now, in this passage, though they sought false witnesses against him, they found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. They said, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it that which these witnesses against thee? Jesus held his peace. The high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. 
Jesus said unto him, You said it. Nevertheless, I say unto you hereafter, shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of glory. And the high priest rent his clothes and said, You spoke in blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He's guilty of death. They did spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ. Who is he that smote thee? Caiaphas could have dismissed the whole matter. He was the head of the Sanhedrin, but he took part in it. Caiaphas murdered Jesus Christ. Herod killed Jesus Christ. Pilate killed Jesus Christ. One word from Pilate. Just one word. It would have been dismissed. But he was afraid of his political image. And he turned Christ over and had Barabbas freed. Pilate killed Jesus. No doubt about the Roman soldiers. They sure killed him. The entire nation of Israel killed him. The scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, they killed him. Now, I don't know what you make of that. That's truth. I didn't make that up. I'm not anti-Semitic. If I were anti-Semitic, I would have chosen a Gentile to be the Son of God. I'm glad he was a Jew. But the scripture says he came unto his own. He came unto his own and his own received him not. I've dealt with the question who killed Jesus Christ. Now I'd like to close out this message by raising the question, not who killed him, but what killed him? What killed him? It was not the scourging. It was not the crowning of the thorns. It was not the nails in his hands and feet. And it was not the spear in his side. Our Lord in his earthly ministry, though short ministry it was, made it clear that no man had the power to take his life. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 17 through 18, John's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay my life down, and I have power to take it again. You don't possess that power. It's appointed unto men once to die, but you have no control over that. But the Lord makes it clear no man could take it from him. He laid his life down and he would raise it again. Satan would try to get him to commit suicide. 
He tried it by the lies he offered in Matthew 4. I believe it was in the temptations. Command these stones be made bread. Jump off the precipice of the temple. And so he was wanting Christ to commit suicide. No, the Lord Jesus did not commit suicide. Jesus Christ could not die because he was not born in sin. That's a hard statement, isn't it? But it's a true statement. He could not. If he can die, if he can die at a point, then God can die because Christ was God. But he could not die because he was born not in sin. He escaped that. Neither did he ever commit sin. Not one time did he ever do anything wrong. Death is the wages of sin. That's why we have to die. Because of sin. That's why Adam died in the Garden of Eden. That's why his generation died. That's why people are dying today. Because the wages of sin is death. And we'll pay that. But Christ had no sin. Christ had no sin. He could not die. Until he surrendered to death. I've got the power to lay it down and I've got the power to take it again. And he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And the scripture says he gave up the ghost. He released his soul from his body. And that's what physical death is. The separation of the soul from the body and Jesus Christ did that he died the thing that killed the Lord Jesus Christ was the imputation of our sins upon him the scripture says in Isaiah 53 6 all we like sheep have gone astray we've turned everyone his own way and the Lord laid on him our iniquities, the iniquities of his people. And when he received the iniquities of his people imputationally, then he must die as a sinner. Not because he had done anything wrong, because he, but he became imputed a sinner by receiving our sins laid on him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible said he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. And one final reference in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, 
by whose stripes you are healed, who his own self bear our sins in his own body. In the Old Testament, as one studies the tabernacle and the services related to the tabernacle, it involved a day of atonement in which the high priest would take the blood of an innocent animal and take that blood and actually place it on the mercy seat as an atoning factor, though the blood of an animal could never eliminate sin or take sin away, but it was a pointing to what Christ would do. But point being is this, once the priest had put his hands on that goat, that goat had to die. The goat had to die, no question about it. And I'm telling you that when the Father was pleased to put our sins, the sins of his elect people on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and judge those sins in the body of Christ. Christ had to die. Physically speaking, who took his life? The Jews took his life. Israel took his life. The Judaizers took his life. Those who had a direct part in taking his life and adding to the torture involved in taking his life. But my dear friends, I tell you something, it's a glorious thing to know that the purpose of his death was to save his people from their sins. And that's exactly who will be saved, his people, from their sins. It was the sins of God's elect that was responsible for his death. He took our sins, our death, and our hell upon himself, and that is what killed Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, I have a question. I thought you might have one. Your question probably is this. Did anybody tell you that December speaks of the Lord's birth? Yeah, I've heard that somewhere. But unless you realize the purpose of his birth, Christmas is not worth a dime. It's commercial insanity. It's people gone bananas and haywire. If you don't understand what the Lord did when Jesus Christ was 33 years of age, he became your lamb and died for your sins. If you're one of God's elect, he died for your sins on the cross. And you'll never, never, never have to pay for those sins. He he proved it by resurrecting from the dead. Yes, Christmas involves a baby. Not just any baby will do. The Son of God, God Almighty incarnate. And I hope you'll understand that when people say, well, the Jews had nothing to do. Well, sure they did. 
and to this day they deny it. Jesus Christ is not a part of their theology. The New Testament is not a part of their theology. They believe only the Old Testament and go to the wailing wall ever so often and plead, oh, send the Messiah, send the Messiah. I'm so glad he's already come. And his name is Jesus Christ. And you look to him and honor him and glorify him for coming and dying in our stead on the cross. Let's stand, please, for prayer.